0: I'm a Studio Trigger fan. I watch the entire (laughs) catalog.
1: And Welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture-related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, we have our chivalry of Shota Shotaro.
0: Life in plastic, it's fantastic.
1: How are you enjoying your self-quarantine?
0: Oh, I I mean, it's not any different from how I usually live my life, so...
1: Listen, once a hikikomori, always a hikikomori, I guess. But yeah, in, in the in the light of all of this coronavirus fervor, we're still here, we're still recording. Of course, it's very easy when we don't actually have to be in the same place to record all the time. That is convenient. Um, it is very convenient. Bless this modern technology that we have that allows us to communicate across vast distances. But tonight, you and I have actually got together to talk about uh, an anime, a particular anime studio that I think both of us to some degree or another, really like, uh, at least some of their works, Um, and that is Studio Trigger. Now, if you've been following this podcast for any length of time, I've mentioned it several times, the fact that I'm a Studio Trigger whore. I really like the studio and a lot of the stuff it makes, um, so I'm going to try not to fanboy about some of the stuff we talk about tonight. I I emphasize try. I will
0: do my best. You are the loudest Trigger fan I've ever met, and I I would love to see you not uh actually go on completely off-tangent rants on this podcast but
1: um i mean is it really off-tangent if i'm just talking about studio trigger Uh, though on this particular episode see that's a problem i wish it was (laughs) (laughs) off-tangent yeah we're gonna start out this by discussing the uh the history of uh studio trigger uh, sort of the same way we did our KyoAni Studio Retrospective a few months ago. So, Studio Trigger was founded back in August of 2011 by two former Gainax employees, Hiroyuki Imaishi and Masahiko Otsuka. Uh, and along with, they also brought along some other members of Gainax that they worked with. Essentially, these two people staged a sort of walkout of Studio Gainax because They didn't really like the direction that the studio was going, and they kind of wanted to go do their own thing. And I think they both, both uh, Imaishi and Otsuka, kind of felt like their creativity was being stifled a little bit, so they wanted to go do their own thing. And so they found a Studio Trigger back in August of 2011. Now, for their first few months slash year of operation, they just sort of worked on a lot of uh, animation assistance for other studios. They... um, assisted with the uh, opening animations for a video game called Project X-Zone. They did the promotional videos for Hackadol. Uh God, that that takes me back. <laughs> uh, and they did uh, mostly shorts also. They did the, the first season of, I say first season very longingly, of Inferno Cop back in 2012. And they also worked on the original um theatrical short for little witch academia which came out in march of
0: 2013
1: um their first full-length anime production that they worked on was kill the kill back in 2013 which ran from october 2013 to march 2014 um i think it's safe to say that you and i both like kill the kill isn't it yeah i really loved it at the time i watched it which was like like maybe a season after it aired yeah, and that was actually shortly after you started watching, or not too long after you started watching anime, wasn't it? It was. You I Kill think Kill? I started watching anime two years ago,
0: in the year when they founded the <laughs> the studio in 2011. Um, which is another reason why I was into Trigger, because it would be very easy for me to watch their entire catalog, con- considering it was only consisting of... Kill a Kill as the only TV anime they watched, so I'm like, yeah, I'm a yeah. Studio Trigger fan. I watched the entire catalog.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was really easy to do that. Then, of course, I mean, you had Kill a Kill, you had Inferno Cop, you had Little Witch Academia, and you were you were done. I mean, that's exactly. to be a Trigger fan to say you watched the entire catalog was you had to watch those three things. But
0: yeah, it was kind of exciting for me because I haven't been watching anime as long as you. So to see a pretty big, well, it seemed to be pretty big at the time, studio being founded. During a time when I was engaged in the anime compute community, uh, I was definitely interested in them, and they caught my attention.
1: Hmm. Um, so they went on from Kill la Kill. Kill a Kill was not only a uh, commercial success; it was a very, uh, it was a critical success as well. I, the the consensus within the anime community is that it's it's pretty good. Uh, if you look on Mal right now, it's it's sitting at like an eight point one five, eight point one six. At a score, is that, that's pretty good <laughs> by most people's standards. Can you um, access Mal? Or did you just know it was that? I'm actually looking at it right now. Oh, my God. Well, wow. I can't access it. Lucky you. Oh. Oh, man. Are they shutting off your uh, your internet there in Canada? That's a shame.
0: No, I thought Mal was being doxxed.
1: Oh, I, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm looking at it right now on well, Mal. So. Privileged Hence,
0: American. To... Typical.
1: Right? Typical. Um, but uh, also in 2013, uh, Trigger launched a Kickstarter project because they wanted to uh, fund a second episode of Little Witch Academia. This project was so well received that they, they set they set a modest goal of 150 thousand U.S. dollars. They were able to meet that in under five hours. Uh, the entire Kickstarter project itself went on to raise just over 625 thousand. U.S. dollars throughout its uh its span. And so, needless to say, a second Little Witch Academia short film did get released. That was the uh, Little Witch Academia The Enchanted Parade, which came out in 2014, I believe. Was Enchanted Parade? 2015, excuse me. October of 2015 is when it came out. Um, still technically a short. It wasn't feature length. It was about 50, 50 minutes long. So, eh, about two episodes of animated length. But still not feature-length, even though I think it did air in theaters in Japan. Also, fun fact, I found out while I was researching stuff for this episode, uh, the initial Little Witch Academia short film was partially funded by the Japanese government. Oh. I I don't know why, but it was. There's propaganda hidden in there. Maybe. (laughs) There may be something to that. I don't know. Um but both of these short film projects for little, little Witch Academia proved to be really, really popular with fans. So in 2017, they actually went on to produce a full-fledged anime series that was 24 episodes long, I believe. Um, and that was pretty good. I think you and I both enjoyed that as well.
0: I did really like um, it.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, I'd like to point out, great, uh, great anime to get younger people into anime with Little Witch Academia. I highly recommend that if you have someone like around the age of like, I don't know, seven, eight, nine that you're trying to get into anime, Little Witch Academia is a good start. It is. Um, then in 2018, trigger went on to create a Patreon with a stated goal of securing funding for projects and or merchandise. Um, I'm, I'm on there. I give them money every month. Um, They offer both, uh, at least as of now, they offer a $1 and a $5 option. They currently have over 2,000 backers, and they raise just over $6,000 each month just through Patreon. Interesting. Which is amazing. Um, They actually used the first, I think the first month um, that they had this up, they used it to buy a... They use the funds that they got through the Patreon backing to buy a uh, computer just for streaming. Interesting. And that's what they—that's what they do. Like usually once a month or once every five to six weeks, they—they they do they go on to Twitch and they do like live drawings with some other animators, mm-hmm. where they'll take questions and stuff from from the audience. Um, they tend to favor you know, questions from Patreon users or Patreon backers more so than questions they just get through Twitch chat. But it's it's a really interesting way of interacting with your fans that I think more studios should do.
0: Ah, uh, I guess. I mean, $6,000 per month, it seems like... I mean, it's nice, but it doesn't seem like it could support it in a substantial way.
1: But it's I guess it's nice PR. It is. I mean, I, I think the $6,000 a month at the very least would fun you know them bringing people in off of whatever projects they're working on for the studio for like a couple hours at a time to make drawings for fans i don't know i i feel like for for what they they use it for it's it, it probably funds itself and then with a little bit left over i don't know um but kind of bringing us up history wise to the the present day um one of the most recent things that Studio Trigger has come out with is their very first feature length movie back in 2019 with Premiere. I've seen this thing seven times in theaters. I'm about to go see it for the eighth time because it's coming back to American theaters in April. Um, I believe this is going to go out the first week of April. So this actually might be coming out the same week that uh, Premiere is back in theaters here in the U S but yeah, it's a really great movie it's for their very first foray into this. It's, it's very impressive and that's kind of the, the history of Studio Trigger. It hasn't been around for anywhere near as long as KyoAni, which is the last studio we did one of these things for. But um, And obviously, they had other stuff in and around there, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about now. Um, because if you look at Studio Trigger's like list of works, their entire catalog, you'll find the same two-word... Uh, description for these things over and over again original work and that's something that's become sort of a studio trigger staple that it's focused almost solely on producing anime original works Uh, in fact as of the time of this recording there's only two anime that they have made that are based on already existing properties the first is when uh, supernatural battles become commonplace which is a really odd anime like not it's it's an okay anime, but it's very odd considering it came from Studio Trigger. Um and then the second one is uh 2018's Gridman. Those are the only two works that they've made so far that are based on existing properties. Um so I want to ask you, show, do you actually think this is a good or a bad thing that they focus so much on original work?
0: Well, okay. So, overall I think it's a good thing. Um that doesn't mean that all of the original works are good, though. Mm. Um, they have good original works like *Kill a Kill*, and bad original works like Kiznaiver. Um, But I would prefer to see um, an original work like at least like you at least try to do something original and then fail. That's more interesting to me than um, you know adapting something. Because
1: when it's something when we do our season preview episodes, it's something you and I harp on a lot. It's like when we find out that a new uh, anime is coming out in a season and we see, oh, it's an anime original work. We, we always kind of make the we say this jokingly, but it's like, oh, well, at least it'll have an actual ending. But that's kind of true. Like when you make an anime original work, you're and you're not adapting anything, it's going to have to have a, an actual ending. Whereas I mean, when you're adapting something on a like no, based on a novel or a or a manga, you don't have to have that.
0: That's true. Um but that doesn't mean you're going to get a good ending. That's true.
1: <laughs> I mean just because it's I an mean, original work and it's it, going to have an ending doesn't mean the ending is going to be good, but you are going to have an ending. I
0: will say that that's much more likely that you're going to have an ending. That makes sense. But Mm. I mean, just looking at um the trigger's history with Kisniver and Dolling and the Franks, they both have really bad endings. And that like are totally mismatched with the pacing of the of the uh actual bulk of the show, which is what you see with adaptations when they're like, Oh shit, we have to end this. Okay, quickly make some random ending. Um so I mean, just because it's original because it's original, it should have a good, like, a well-paced, properly thought-out ending. But clearly, these people didn't think that far ahead, uh, uh, apparently. Uh, but I see what you're saying. Although, Trigger did yeah. not really, uh, you know, go through with these... Didn't really pull through with these original, some of
1: these original works. Well, I want to talk about specifically the two you brought up was Keysniver and Darling the Franks. Both of these shows started out with really great premises. And, like, the first few episodes, I would say the first two or three episodes of Keysniver are actually really, really good. And the same thing with Darling the Franks. I actually think Darling the Franks was good for its entire first half. But, I mean, that's a discussion for another time. But both of these suffer from, like, what I call halfway syndrome, where like halfway through the actual run of the story, like the narrative just goes to shit. And it's like you you, you came up with a good you came up with a half of a good story, but then you just pass it off to someone else and they're like, Oh, I don't know. Fuck it. Let's see it what throw shit at the wall and see what sticks.
0: Hmm. See, I never liked Darling and the Franks from the beginning. So
1: but I know you liked the first couple of episodes of Keys. I know though? I did like the first couple because you, you thought it. A, you thought it set up. Because I remember we, when when that thing when that thing was airing, I remember us talking about it, and you said like it had a really great premise. Its first couple episodes, and it did a really good job introducing that premise. It just never delivered on
0: it. Yeah, it had a lot of potential, I thought, um, but it never. It didn't really, uh, you know, actually deliver on the potential that it showed and it, and the problem with Darling the franks is that you know it, it's just the ending doesn't make like it doesn't make sense in context with the rest of the show like, i don't know
1: what happened there <laughs> yeah my, my issue with keysniver is keysniver sets itself up to be like a multi-seasonal work like i could see that with the premise that they set up for keysniver i could see it genuinely having two or three seasons yeah, but it was given twelve episodes, and you don't. By the end of it, you feel like these everything's been rushed through so badly that these characters aren't developed properly. Everything, all the interaction between the characters feels very rushed. The dialogue, especially from the halfway point onward, seems very choppy and unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, it, it, I I look back on this and I think, God, this is written by Mario Kata, who wrote some, who's written some really good anime. And I'm thinking, good lord! Like, and I think this actually came out after the fact that she she came up with some with enough material for like two or three seasons worth of stuff, but then Sugar came back and said, "No, you got twelve episodes."
0: Yeah, and you know, trying to well, clearly she she's a uh, character drama, character driven writer, and trying to develop a large cast like his Niver is neither, it's like what six or seven people. In only twelve episodes, while also having a very plot-heavy format with you know the whole Kiznaiver system, whatever, whatever, there was like this whole overarching plot. You know, balancing those two things didn't work out, and both of the the plot and the characters weren't great. So
1: yeah, and I feel like I feel like with more with like. 24 or 36 episodes to more fully flesh out these characters it could have been a really good story because as you as we both said like the premise that it sets up is a really good one
0: yeah if they focus more on the plot it could work in 12 episodes if they focus more on the characters it would work in 12 episodes but if they want to do both i think they'd have to go for 24 episodes
1: at least, maybe even
0: more. I don't know. I don't think it, it needs to be more than that, honey. I have a small attention. More than twelve, span. though. Small. More than
1: twelve. I definitely think more than twelve. Um, but then you also mentioned Darling and the Franks, um, which, yeah, I I feel like Darling in the Franks is kind of a special case though. Like I, I know you say that it wasn't good from the beginning. I disagree. I think that its first like fifteen or so episodes are actually really good. I think it was on trajectory to be probably remembered as one of the really great anime series because it dealt with a lot of social themes it dealt with a lot of internal like uh, I don't I hate to use the term drama but internal psychological issues with some of the characters um, and I, I like the way that it presented it to the audience but like like after like episode 16 17 onward it just it's like they forgot what they were writing
0: Mm-hmm I guess. I think they just really wanted to do their signature trigger, uh, go crazy at the end, you know, power up to the max, and it just didn't work out.
1: I, I almost feel, though, I wanted to talk about this, too, because um, starting with Darling the Franks and going through Gridman and Premier... Um, These were three works that were all announced at the same time back in 2017. In fact, after Little Witch Academia had finished airing, actually just after Little Witch Academia had finished airing, uh, Trigger announced all three of those projects simultaneously. And Darling in the Franks was the first one. All three of these also were co-productions with other studios. And I almost... I look at Premiere, and that actually worked out really well for them. And I would say the same thing about Gridman, too. That was pretty well received, especially in Japan. Um, But then I look at Darling the Franks, which was a co-production with Cloverworks, a.k.a. A1 Pictures. And I I wonder if some of it wasn't uh, A1 Pictures' meddling a little bit with the story. But it's it's very Imaishi
0: and very Trigger, what they did at the end. So... I don't know if it was anyone's
1: meddling. I, well, it does end up in space. That's another trigger thing. Jesus Christ. If you had a quarter for every time every one of their shows ended up in space, you'd have, like, maybe five bucks. Very funny. It's <laughs> a really bad analogy. That's a very funny. Um, but yeah, that, that's another one of their their characters. But you are right. The Darling the Franks has that very Imaishi, like, you know, full power to the max kind of ending.
0: You don't but, have to do that every time, Trigger.
1: You don't, but I, I just, I wonder if like the last five to seven episodes were just a lot of A1s meddling in the, in the story and the production because it just, to me and to a lot of people on the outside watching, it, it seems like that's the point where it went to shit.
0: I guess.
1: So it, it makes me wonder, are these co-productions that they do always going to be worth it? Because, like, for something like Premiere, which was a huge uh, financial uh, success for Studio Trigger, it's worked out really well. But for something like Darling in the Franks, where it was well received in the very beginning, but then kind of fell flat by the end, is it really worth it?
0: Well, we know Imaishi doesn't work well with others. That's why he left Gynax. So. You shouldn't be working with other studios because you're just gonna throw a tantrum and walk out the studio without finishing your work and then everybody's gonna be like how do we end this and then they're just gonna have to make up some shit and that's what happened with in the franks
1: i will say in regards to drawing the franks it has since gotten a manga adaptation that has a different ending so oh and God. it's actually a good ending of course yeah <laughs> I won't, I won't say anything else because I don't want to spoil it. Like, I would definitely... If you were intrigued in any way by doing the Frank's of the anime, I would highly recommend the, the manga adaptation. Also, you get to see Zero Two's titties in it.
0: That's amazing.
1: They're in black and white, right? Well, yes, but...
0: <laughs> you asked that question as if I was going to say anything, but yes. Uh, Well, it could be a web manga. Sometimes they're colored. Anyways. That's true. Yeah. Um... Yeah, compare uh, back to, like, Kiznaiver and Darling in the Franks, I think that, like, the fact that Darling in the... I mean, they're actually pretty similar in that they have a lot of plot and a lot of character drama, and I mm-hmm. think Darling in the Franks actually, uh, you know, pulled it off much better because they had 24 episodes, so they were able to, you know, flesh out the plot more and flesh out the that, characters yeah. more. Definitely the characters were uh, more of a stronger suit than the plot but at least they fleshed both out to a decent amount. Um, they just, you know, the ending just didn't work out. But I feel like, you know, it was an improvement on what they tried to do in Kiznaiver. I think they definitely improved yeah. with Darling the Franks.
1: Yeah, I feel like they need to just have a do-over with Kiznaiver because it's a really good concept. I just want to see it done well.
0: You know, I still have that Kiznaiver Dokimakura. And I know, you do, an and I, I, I wonder... If ever there was one, that was one, and it's still on my bed. Girl, I hug it every night. I just pretend that... I just scratched out, like, the face so that I could... it could be just a <laughs> generic anime boy, um, and I don't have to remember that it's from Giznaimer.
1: See, here's the thing. The way you say that makes me think he could be joking, but he's probably not.
0: I mean, what part of that story was true and what was a lie? You can... You can send us an email
1: at iMichaelAfterDog at (laughs) gmail.com to uh, guess. Mm -hmm. So, uh, speaking of, like, trigger style, that's something that that a lot of trigger works also have in common is a distinctive art style. Yeah. And I'm curious as to what you, in particular, think of it. Like, you look at trigger. I don't even know how to describe it, but it's just trigger style. Like, you say trigger style, and I instantly know what you're talking about yeah it is definitely refreshing because a lot of anime
0: studios have a very similar style I mean I guess that's the entire idea of it being grouped together as anime because it's I guess it's a style grouping but yeah it's refreshing it's interesting it's unique um I wouldn't say I'm like in love with it it's not like the best thing I've ever seen in my life but it's different from everyone else so I enjoy watching it uh, I think its strong suit is how fluid they make the animation, because their character models are not as detailed. They're able to uh, animate the actual models really well, and that's uh, very pleasing to watch. It's entertaining in action scenes, uh, which they have a lot of, um, and that makes for really high-paced, great action. So, uh, yeah, um, it's definitely enjoyable.
1: Yeah, I I definitely agree. The, the, their style, their art style, being like less character details, makes the animation way more fluid. Um, and yeah, you, that's that's also another thing that Trigger does really well is its action sequences. And I think that its art style helps that along because you're not having to animate these fine character details that some studios you know rely on as much. So you're able to spend more time on the actual animation of the action sequences. Mm, I would almost consider Trigger's art style
0: as much more Western because Mm -hmm. that's the same sort of strategy that Western animators use. They don't make detailed models, but they spend a lot of time making the animation fluid.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless unless your studio name is Pixar, then yes, it's very, very Western
0: mm
1: mm-hmm. uh, in, in that regard, um, I'm just trying to think a, a really good example of this is in um, Gridman. If you look at Gridman, the, the character models are kind of very simplistic um, with very basic colors. There's not a whole there's not a lot of the characters that have very vivid or bright colors on them. So when the action sequences are being animated, you actually have this ability to see what the action is supposed to be. Whereas in other, with other studios, because they're spending so much time making these enormously detailed characters, you might look at the action sequences. It's like, it's like a fucking blur. Well, it's like, yeah, cause you didn't have enough time to, or resources to sit there and do this with a really detailed, intricate character design. Yeah. And it's very refreshing to see, like you say, definitely. I had, I had a place I was going to, Oh, the, uh, so the, the trigger Patreon thing, I mentioned it before. Um, I, for me personally, I, I, I give them money every month through Patreon and I think it's a really cool way to interact with fans, especially in the West. And that's something else that I think trigger has sort of embraced the fact that they have, they seem to have as many, if not more fans outside of Japan than they do inside of Japan. Which Um, is
0: so surprising, considering, you know, those two uh, demographics are so comparable in how many people are in each. Like, you know, there's only six billion people out of Japan. And, you know, maybe like, I don't know how many people are in Japan. Some some million. uh, 160 million, I think. Sure. So it's really surprising to see that those two demographics are comparable
1: i'm being sarcastic (laughs) i know if you're here i know you are this is one part where this is one time where i don't have to ask if you're being sarcastic i can tell Uh uh-huh i'm totally not looking up the population of japan though this is a very interesting trivia that we need to know i know i'm I'm curious now 127 million people oh my god wow they fit
0: all of those people on that tiny island
1: but my whole point in bringing this up is there's a lot of anime studios out there that don't even really do anything to try and connect with their Western audience. And Trigger kind of goes out of their way to do that. They, they certainly do a lot more than a vast majority of other studios. Oh my god, you can't hear but I'm rolling my eyes.
0: It's incredible how much of an international phenomenon anime is. And <laughs> how much... how little anime studios or the anime you know industry in general uh you know tries to interact with international fans or like do anything for international fans um like uh content wise merchandise wise or even like financial wise i feel like there's this untapped international fan base that you're not like Sucking the money out of because I don't know why. It's just the industry is just feels so old fashioned to me, and you know, yeah, Trigger is definitely making some new moves by doing a Patreon, but this you could do so much more,
1: so much more. Oh, you could. I, I'm not. I'm not saying that they couldn't, and in, in the future they might. I'm just saying it's a star. It, it is it, it's a star. Definitely. It's, it's it's certainly more than a lot of other studios are. It doing. is. Um,
0: Everybody's so behind. I'm just like, ugh.
1: and and that's something that I think Western fans probably appreciate more so than than Japanese fans. Like this idea of interacting with the people who create the content that you love, where it, I I think it's seen as way more passive in. In Japan, it's like okay, you're an anime fan, you consume what you love, you buy the merch, and then that's it. I mean, you just and you think about it maybe, and, and then and then you move on. Whereas in in the West, and particularly in North America, we like to to you know consume the media, buy the merch, and then maybe. You know, talk or or hear the people talk that made this stuff. It's like, well, why did you do this? Why why did you make it this way? Why why did you use? Why why did you come up with this character this way? I mean, I think a lot of Japanese studios don't do that, mostly as a cultural thing.
0: I don't know, maybe.
1: Uh, but it it is good to see Trigger embracing this idea of of, of fan interaction. Uh, and I really do hope that it leads to more studios doing the exact same thing because a lot of, something that, that trigger does is they come over to the US a lot and do uh, convention appearances. Um, and that's something that, that a lot of a lot more anime studios now are beginning to do. But up until about maybe 10 years ago, most didn't bother that much with uh, like anime conventions outside of Anime Expo in the US.
0: Well, it's hard to justify... Well, yeah, it's hard to justify coming all the way over to the U.S. for, like, not... uh, Like, for a convention that isn't the most popular. Mm. So I can understand why they'd only come over for Anime Expo um, or similarly large conventions.
1: But... Yeah, it is. It's a huge... It's a huge... um, It's a huge expense. It's a huge upfront expense for the the production company obviously although a lot of these uh conventions will pay like your expenses like your your hotel room and mm. give you like a per diem and what whatever so it's not that much of an expense up front um but yeah it, it's just it's refreshing to see the studio trigger goes to some smaller anime conventions and just just shows up and does panels and does signings and just just like meet and greets it, it, it's really cool to see and i do think it's it's forcing other studios to kind of consider this like this is what the western fans like well let's do that that is really uh nice
0: of them to interact with others <laughs> besides their uh home demographic um, and
1: yeah, and that's something that with their with their patreon thing what they do with the the twitch live drawings is they don't have to leave their studios. they can do this in studio and still interact live with their fans mm-hmm although which is something I think a lot of a lot of studios could do like just set up a twitch channel, you know and get some of your artists to come on from time to time, do like a um uh, a live drawing of a character from one of your shows that that's, that's relatively popular and do like a question answer thing during the drawing, bring on like an English translator and go for it. That's what trigger does. Interesting. I mean,
0: me personally, I'm not really interested in live drawing, um, but I'm definitely interested in looking or attending conventions and going to panels that the uh, studios are hosting Um, alternatively, I would be interested in, like, doing a sort of panel-esque kind of thing on Twitch, which I don't know if they do, I don't think they do, but, like, just, like, having, just, like, maybe talking about your most recent work, or your most recent episode, or whatever, that would be
1: interesting to watch, I would totally... Watch that. Or maybe doing like a like a AMA session where you know you put out there on something like Patreon or whatever some kind of a platform saying, "Hey, we're going to have this animator at this time doing you know answering your questions. Put them in this thread and we'll pass them on. We'll pass them along. I guess I don't really want an AMA personally. I just would love to see them just talk
0: about their current work or whatever they're doing. Hmm. Honey, I just want a Studio Trigger yep. podcast uh, or any studio well not any studio any studio that i like could do a podcast or a yes. twitch stream honey
1: i'm ready a jc stab podcast all right what what uh I'm ready. what pro- what uh uh fuck i getting old sucks i words just leave you in the oh, mid-sentence no. uh what, what what project are we ruining today attack on titan Attack on Titan season four. All right, let's do it.
0: Oh my, it. I, I would actually be scared to look at that podcast. Ooh.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think in general the, the the trigger has sort of opened this this idea that studios can actually interact with their fans in in many ways, especially outside of Japan. And it, you know, J- anime is not getting any less popular outside of Japan. So maybe you know, may behoove some of these studios in the future to look into stuff like this.
0: Oh uh, yeah. You're like 10 years overdue, but let's go. Let's go. <laughs> hey, as
1: as you like to say many, many times better late than never. It may be late, but it's not never. Okay. You're right. <laughs> All right. Well, so I think the best way to kind of wrap this, this whole retrospective up talking about trigger is what are we, you and I both hoping for? In the future from Studio Trigger. Because I know that over the last maybe couple of years or so, you've sort of fallen out of love with Studio Trigger. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm wondering, what what would they need to do to get you back?
0: <sighs>
1: well, <laughs> Do you want to see them keep doing more original works? Would you like to see them maybe dip their toes into some adaptations? Well, to answer that question, I'd have to say what I actually like about Trigger
0: and what I don't like about Trigger. Um, I think what a lot of people like about Trigger is their balls to the walls. Uh, I don't give a fuck. This crazy shit is happening and it's going to go fucking 0 to 10 in point two seconds, which I personally, that's not why <laughs> I watched Trigger. Um, like I said, Kill the Kill was the first Trigger show I watched and I really liked it. Um, and the reason why was because I thought... The main character was a really great female character. Um, You don't see a lot of female characters that are... She wasn't really an archetype, and she wasn't really, like, a waifu. She felt like she had an actual personality, and, you know, uh, was
1: original, because it was an original anime. Um, yeah the the main character of Kill a Kill uh, Ryuko feels like she's not a bunch of checkboxes.
0: Yeah, she's she feels like an actual person and uh that's really interesting to see and I like I like wanted to root for her. So I really liked that and they did the same thing with Little Witch Academia. Um I really liked the main character. She wasn't I don't think she was a checkbox either. She like she had her own little quirkiness. Um she wasn't, like, a moe waifu that had no brain, you know. She had a personality, and it was interesting. Um, and that's, for me, the best part of Trigger. So we move on to their most recent stuff, uh, which I've already complained about. But, um, I mean... But let me complain some more. The, I mean, the main problems... Well, Niver hmm. I'll give I'll give a, I'll give a uh, disclaimer, I did not watch Gridman, because I don't know why I didn't watch Gridman, to be quite honest with you. It didn't look that great, I don't know. And I, I haven't watched Promare, Promare,
1: Promare. Promare, Primar. Promare. <laughs> you don't even know don't how to know. pronounce it, girl. <laughs> I, I'm just going by how they say it in the fucking movie, Promare. Promare?
0: Okay. um, I didn't watch that either, but I don't, okay, I don't like anime movies, so... <laughs>
1: Okay, you can be forgiven for that, though. I mean, movies aren't obviously everyone's thing, so yeah.
0: So I mean, the problem with Kuzniver was that the plot and fell apart. That's fine. Um, the problem with The Darling and the Franks for me was I didn't like I didn't like any of the characters, and particularly I didn't like Zero Two because she was like she was a waifu. And I don't. That's and see, That's not what I, I feel want like, from Trigger.
1: I I feel like the the goal with Zero Two was kind of the same thing with Ryuko and Um Ako from Kill la Kill and Little Witch Academia, respectively. Was this idea of creating a main female protagonist that didn't exactly hit. A, it wasn't just a list of check boxes, but in trying to do so, they actually inadvertently did create a list of check boxes. She did
0: feel. The characters, Zero Two in particular, and the entire plot did feel like a list of checkboxes.
1: Um, I wouldn't say all the characters,
0: but I would say most of the main characters. Yeah. So I didn't get what I wanted from Drawing in the Franks. And that was the last straw. So I was like, I'm done with Trigger. I'm not watching any more Trigger. But they are coming out with a new show, and uh, which is called Brand New Animal. And the uh, preview for it shows that the main raccoon lady seems to be uh, similar in personality to the main character of Little Witch Academia. So, I will be watching that, and maybe they will make a resurgence in, uh, you know, in favor gained from me in particular because obviously <laughs> studio trigger should be making anime for me only but uh yeah so i mean the main problem was that killer kill is the only show they made that i was like super uh happy about little witch academia was like great but i mean the rest weren't that great so like but that's a so like the ratio between good shows and bad shows is starting to lean towards bad shows. But you could say that about a lot of studios as well. So I think just all anime studios are shit. So
1: <laughs> I was gonna say if you look at your like averages on Mal, that definitely that definitely checks out.
0: Exactly. I think
1: anime is shit. Japan is shit.
0: Human the well, human race is shit. I don't know what
1: we're doing. Good. The good good thing about Brand New Animal, which is their new show that's coming out this year in 2020, is it's directed by Yo Yoshinari, who was the director of Little Witch Academia. Okay. And it's written by Kazuki Nakashima, who was the writer of Kill the Kill.
0: Oh, those are two. See, the only two things I like about Trigger, all in one. So I'm going to accept
1: I'm not a furry. So. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are going to be saying that when they watch this. I like this. I'm not a furry, but I like this show. We'll see. I feel like a lot of people said that about when they watched Beat Stars. No, okay. Well,
0: you know, another problem with Trigger is that you know Kill a Kill was such a smash hit success that how can you even? Li- you think they peaked? How too can early? you? Li- yeah, they peaked way too early. How can you, how can you live up to that hype? Like I feel like I'm gonna like Brand New Animal, but is it gonna be comparable to Kill a Kill? I don't think so. I'd like. How can you even?
1: Well, I mean, I look at I look at their catalog, and as much as I am an apologist for Studio Trigger, I will have to admit that they they have done stuff that I don't particularly like. I didn't really like Keys Knife or that much. I think Darling in the Franks went to shit after its halfway point. Um, when supernatural battles became commonplace, it's just kind of eh. I mean, it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination. Um. And then, I mean, I like Inferno Cop, but I even I have to look at it with an objective eye and say, if you actually are a fan of real animation, Inferno Cop's not for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I look at Kill a Kill. I look at uh, we haven't even talked about it tonight, but Space Drill which was really good. Was that a short? Um, yeah, it's it's like I think five minutes per episode. Yeah,
0: I mean, I like that too, but it was a short. I mean, it was it was nice, but it, there wasn't much substance.
1: Yeah, I mean it it was essentially Trigger trying to make a Trigger cinematic universe. Of course. They always <laughs> which it do did. which mm-hmm. <laughs> which 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 it, which it kind of did. Um but yeah, and then for me it's it's about like I'd say like a 65 35 split for me of good to bad. About whether I will like well, whether I will like oh. what they do or not. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. I, yeah. That's a pass I in mean, Canada. Yeah, well, it is in America, too. just not by much <laughs> and the thing is i I look at the idea of studio trigger, and it's what i like it's It's the studio that, like you say, kind of does their own thing, doesn't give a shit about like trends or whatever they 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 see an idea and they just grab onto it and they run with it and they're not they don't seem to be worried about a lot of stuff that other anime studios tend to be worried about, like hopping on trends or you know, coming out with the next great Isekai. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. I mean that's it I hate saying this because I'm gonna I'm gonna be labeled as some kind of America Tard here or something. But I almost look at Studio Trigger as like a sort of American dream outside of America. Where you have this idea for something, you just kinda go for it and you make it work out. Which is what Hiroyuki Imaishi and Masahiko Otsuka did.
0: They made it work out for their first Anime,
1: <laughs> kill a kill. Well, they've made it work out to so far. I mean, they're they're nearly a decade old at this point, and they're they're still chugging along pretty well.
0: Well, I think they've yeah. done pretty well for. Themselves. I mean, financially, yeah. Like most of their shows have a good following, so they just don't have me. And I'm the most important person <laughs> in the anime community. But
1: they could get you again with with brand Maybe. new animal, and that's the point. Maybe they could. <laughs> Well, they better. At, least, at least you're not, at least you're not like totally cutting them off. You are giving them a second chance to reel you back in.
0: Yeah, and I mean, and I think that. Oh, go ahead. I mean, before I saw the preview for Brand New Animal, I was like done with Trigger, and then they're like, "Hey, we have a new show," and I'm like, Ugh, "Fine, I'll give you another chance. You burned me <laughs> once, but I will be burned again." So.
1: Please be gentle. I mean, they'll eventually. Even if it does draw you back in, they'll eventually let you down some other way. Yeah, don't worry. God,
0: <laughs> anime is just such an emotional roller coaster. You really, you really have to get yourself ready for it. <laughs>
1: I think that's a great place to to let this go. So thank you all there for dropping in to listen to us. We hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this stuff to you. If you want to check out other episodes of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, BitChute, SoundCloud, and Spotify. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can join us on Discord, Facebook, Twitter, and our website. Shoot us an email if you have any questions or if you have ideas for topics you'd like for us to talk about in the future. Links to all these things will be down below in the description. As always, I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, show.
0: We're pulling the trigger on this podcast.
1: (laughs) Do you know when I I was doing the research, for this? do you know what the most surprising thing I discovered about Studio Trigger was? What? Was that back in 2015 they worked on the opening animation the opening animation for the Toy Story short Toy Story that time forgot for F- Pixar
0: that's amazing alex you
1: look up the weirdest shit i never knew that and now i do and now all of you do too good night everybody <laughs> bye